So um, we just want to present what the Lord has for us. We welcome you this morning. If you're listening by podcast, if you're listening in person, we're so glad you're here. Let's turn to Jeremiah 18, verse 1. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Isn't it wonderful that he will cause us to hear his words? Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, making something at the wheel. Look at your neighbor and say, he's making something out of you on his wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel. Anyone else been under the hands of the potter and had him to reshape your life as it seemed good for the potter to make? This morning, you are not just a lump of clay. Look at your neighbor and say, you are not just a lump of clay. At the potter's house we come. Come, Holy Spirit, and speak to us. You are the great teacher. To the glory of the Father, in the name of Jesus, whisper things into our ear. Etch them into our heart, Lord. May we be changed by your word. Come, Spirit, and do what you do best and bring this word forth to those who need it. May we all learn, and we won't fail to give you praise. In Jesus' name, and everyone said... Amen. You know, when you go to someone's house, we're talking about coming to the potter's house. When you go to someone's house, you think what you expect. When I went to my papa, his name was A.B. Back in that day, Mississippi, they just gave you initials. But originally, or initially, he came up with Alfred Benjamin. And when I went to papa's house, I knew that the smell was going to be of sawdust back in the backwoods, Mississippi, mixed in with the smell of good old bacon. Come on, somebody. Biscuits and gravy were going to be done. The sound of windmills whipping in his yard. I can still hear it. I loved him. I've told you before, he was a jailhouse singer because in church, he was always a few bars behind and he lost the key. Come on, somebody. He was loud all the time. My daddy is a meek, gentle, quiet spirit, but my papa was full-blooded guy, Scott Irish on steroids. He'd hug you so tight, you didn't know if you could breathe. I knew what to expect when I went to papa's house. When I went to my mom and dad's house on Vista Drive, that house is sold now, I knew there'd be the sound of music, the sound of laughter. I knew there'd be so much laughter. My sweet mama and my children have seen me do this so many times. I'm trying to tell you something. I get so tickled. I have to lay my head down on the table. I can't even tell you because I'm so excited and so funny about it to me. Mama was that way. There was a lot of delicious food. Someone initially, Pammy, would get over there, that piano, and there'd be the clinking. Usually it was Hank Davis driving everybody crazy, clinking and clanking on the piano. Peace was in that home, delicious food. And often I would hear, thank you, Jesus, and hallelujah in that house. Now, if you come to my house, I'll tell you what to expect. It will be so clean because I knew you were coming. <laughs> if I didn't know you were coming, that might be different. And I'm telling you, at my house, there'll always be music. We've had a lot of leadership meetings at my house. I've had up to 100 people in my house often. Small, modest home. But I love having people in there. The sound of music, it'll smell good. There'll be more food than you'd ever want and your 10 relatives would ever want. A lot of laughter. 
And it will be clean because I know you're coming because we had a dignitary, Brother Perry, one time to say he wanted to come to our house. We didn't know this. We just eaten lunch at our family table after Sunday. He said, I want to come meet, talk to y'all, a, a dignitary here in Cleveland. Lord, have mercy. I had ironed clothes down there near the front door. There was stuff everywhere. My husband said he had never seen Wonder Woman in so much action. I picked up the ironing board and threw it up the stairs. And he went, whoa, I'm not even getting in your way. And then I have a front closet. Everybody needs a front closet. Yes, that's called stick that stuff in there. And then when it, someone said, well, it won't shut, Mommy. It won't shut. I said, oh, yes, it will. You just take your hip and you bump that thing and you lock that thing. Come on. That's what you can expect when you come to my house. Come on, somebody. I have stayed in palatial houses when I was at Lee with groups that I would tour with. Sometimes they were cold and indifferent, but I've stayed in a lot of my friends' houses that have large and beautiful homes and they're full of joy and Christ. I have been to the Appalachian Mountains with Charles Beach when I was at Lee University. We went into the homes where they had no floor at all. They had a gas stove, the smell of poverty. If you've never smelled it, there is a smell because of the lack of resources. Would stand in there with those little precious people while Charles Beach gave them salvation we would sing to them and as I stood there weeping and crying because they were so grateful no floor animals running in and out but they were worshiping Jesus and I found that it doesn't matter what the house looks like it's what the people are doing in the house can I get an amen I tell you I've been to Haiti three hours from Port-au-Prince with Pastor Hank who loved Haiti traveled all the way out there back into the woods where the voodoo temples were and other things I didn't ever want to go into those but as we'd go into that house the little missionary would take us to the lead of that little village and they'd be in a, a, a room that wasn't even a fourth of our lobby and they would begin to sing in their Creole language and I didn't know what they were saying but they were crying and worshiping and, and worshiping over the shoes that we brought them because they didn't have any shoes and I asked the missionary as I was weeping what are they saying they're singing to the Lord oh how great you are King Jesus for bringing us shoes on this hot day Lord we worship you and we turn this shack into a sanctuary and I'm going to tell you that shack turned into a sanctuary I'm going to tell you God's house is a mighty house someone give him praise but this morning we're not going to my house or your daddy's house or Papa Giles house we're going to the potter's house. He says, come meet me. Come to the potter's house. To Abba Father, the creator of the ends of the earth. All you will ever need you find in his house. Joy, salvation, mercy, peace, forgiveness, purpose, and deliverance. And the sound in the potter's house is the sound of a loving father. Remember it says, and in the cool of the evening, they heard the sound of God walking in the garden. You hear the sound of God walking in his house. You see the mercy through Jesus Christ, the love, acceptance, and forgiveness. Recently, someone was introduced to our church for the first time, and I had some opportunities to speak to this individual and their gifting, and they said, I've never seen a mercy culture like yours I've never seen anything like that I said well I'm going to tell you something you can't get people to Jesus unless you open the door of mercy you can't get people to Abba unless you love accept and forgive them in God's house in the potter's house you're going to feel the love of God that song that Karen Wheaton does so powerfully how I'd love to hear her do it this morning the love of God is greater far than earth and sky if the oceans were filled with ink 
and the sky was your parchment and every quill was a harvest stalk you could never write the love of God it would drain the oceans dry oh how rich how purposeful how measureless is the love of God someone give him a shout of praise so when we come into the potter's house that's what we experience because we know what isaiah 40 says of him have you not known have you not have you not heard that the everlasting god the creator of the ends of the earth he never faints he never grows weary you have to search for understanding among other people but you never his understanding is unsearchable he goes on and on he gives power to the weak and to them that hath no might someone say no might he increases their strength and you know the rest of it even the youth shall faint and grow weary the young men shall utterly fall but those that on the lord shall renew they shall mount up with wings like eagles they shall run and not be weary is anybody thankful that when the potter invites you into his house that he invites you to a place to him who is never weary who is never tired you're never going to wear him out you're never going to make him exhausted he's never going to say i've had enough of you Rhonda davis he's going to keep saying come come to the potter's house where you'll find love mercy and forgiveness someone give him a shout of praise this morning Isaiah 64 and 8 says, you are our father. We are the clay. We are the works of your hand. We are the works of your hand. Look at your neighbor and say, you are the work of his hand. And no one knows but the potter what he is making out of the clay don't ever count anyone else out. This last semester of Wednesday nights, Misty Haggard has shared her story. Courtney Brown and the cooks who couldn't be here today. And I'm going to tell you, they are illustrated messages of when the world counts you out, God says, I'm going to count you in. When the world says there's no hope, God says, let me show you what I can do with clay that will say, take my life, oh Lord, make it what you will. Someone say amen. So God says to Jeremiah, come and meet me at the potter's house the house of your sir according to how you want to pronounce it it means to fashion or shape it's found in Isaiah 29 45 and 61 the word was not new to Jeremiah for the word was used and seared in his mind and etched in his heart because in the beginning of Jeremiah 1, that was the first word God ever spoke to him. Jeremiah, I formed you. I am your yosur. I'm your yotzer. I am your potter. I formed you in your mother's womb. What he was saying is, I know you, Jeremiah. Go back to your first call. Go back to that tender moment when I first showed you mercy everyone say mercy that simple place where I fashioned you and I called you Israel was in a terrible situation overwhelmingly bad and they were in a moment of their life that you might be this morning where they were saying how can anything good come out of this but how many know he can cause all things to be used for your good and his glory give him a shout of praise this morning I pray this morning that the Lord will take you back. Some of you have to go back to childhood. Some of you may go back just a few weeks to when the Lord showed you his mercy. So powerful. Remember that deep meaning of your life where he says, there I will speak to you. There's moments in our life that we get so hung up with everything we're doing. But God says, come to the potter's house. Maybe it's the car line for you. Maybe it's a break at work. 
Maybe it's why you're pu pushing the forklift or driving it. I'm going to tell you something that God wants to speak to you. He who numbers the hair on your head and knew that 634 just fell out this morning in your brush. Come on, somebody. Is he who wants to speak to you. Look at your neighbor. Or just say he wants to speak to you. But what I think is that the world tries to erase those memories of his mercy in our life. And God is saying to Jeremiah, and he's saying to you and I this morning, remember my mercy. Remember when I called you. Remember, don't let the world erase the memories. About two years ago, on a Thursday morning, I felt like the Lord said, come and go with me to the potter's house. And I said, Lord, what is that to you? I just felt like an unearthing inside of me. A lot of things I didn't like about myself. A lot of things I was trying to figure out ministry-wise and make some big decisions was prior to Pastor Hank going to heaven. And the Lord said, come and meet me. And he told me to go over to 2840 Vista Drive, which that house had been emptied. Devin and Austin had helped us. We sold all the furniture. And all that was there was a swing on the back porch. And God says, meet with me here in that house, on that swing, life that was overwhelming me, God said, you know what? I want to remind you that I'm the one that's in control. Can I get an amen? I want to remind you why you sit on this swing. And why was that swing important? Because my sweet daddy went out every morning and sat on that swing and prayed for his kids and his grandkids. Why is that swing important? Because the grandbabies would swing on that swing. Why is that important? Because my mother's last year of Alzheimer's, we would get her to the swing and we would begin to sing, surely the presence of the Lord is in this place we begin to sing back to her the song she sang to me I want to encourage you this morning it may not be a place but in your mind go back to somewhere that reminds you God has brought you this far and God's going to take you to the next place come on somebody praise him I want to show you that swing this morning Michael and Courtney are on it and then the little sweet grandbabies that's that swing right on that back porch and as I sat there and there's three of the many great grands right there give the Lord a hand for those little darlings but as I sat there the Lord reminded me Rhonda you belong to me you belong to me I am your sir. I am your potter I felt broken was there anything bad going on no just things inside of me that I needed him to fix. And in that day, on that swing, singing and weeping, the Lord reminded me, I am in charge of your life. Rhonda, when you don't like the things that bubble up to the surface, when you don't like the things about yourself, I am still in charge. I am the potter who knows how to fashion the clay. When you run against this life like a marathon, like you've watched those people run marathons and they're jumping through tires and they're jumping over hurdles. I think sometimes life begins that way for us and we're like, I gotta swim with the alligators at 4.30 a.m. Come on, somebody. At 6 p.m., I got to jump through these tires. At 9 o'clock tomorrow, I've got to do this. And sometimes we lose the simplicity of God fashioned me. God formed me. I am a work in progress. I am unfinished business, but he is still at work in my life. Because in the potter's house, he's still working on you and me. Can you say amen? And this morning, you belong to him. You did not get here by yourself. And you won't get to the next place by yourself. 
trust your life into his hands because he takes that shapeless form and he forms it into something. He begins to work it. At the potter's house, we see three things. We see the potter's wheel over here. And that is what we'll talk about in a moment where circumstances come. We see the clay, that's you and I. And then the potter sits behind these three things. I want you to say, today, I trust the potter because this is the one that works on you his precious clay he has a mind that cannot be equaled by any man that has ever lived take the greatest architect take the greatest scientist take the greatest author of our time the greatest ones who have invented electricity and air conditioning say amen all those that did all of that they don't compare to the mind of the great I am and he is brilliant sometimes you look at blueprints my husband my late husband was a contractor and he understood blueprints I couldn't wrap my mind around them but he didn't even need a blueprint he understood construction he knew what wall he wanted to move in our house but sometimes I'll look at complex blueprints and I'll think I know there's a house in here somewhere but I can't see it I'm going to tell you this morning the potter has a blueprint for your life you don't really understand it it's revealed little by little there's rooms that he builds on if something needs to be lowered down he takes it down this is no ordinary man sitting at the potter's wheel this is the creator of the heavens and the earth this is the God who does all things well give him a praise this morning a genius mind is behind the clay is behind the design of your life and then there's the heart of the potter I love his heart as much as his mind. I remember when I was going through my inner healing, when I'd been divorced for three years, and someone put a book in my hand, Destined to Overcome by Paul Bilheimer. I still remember it. It wrecked me because it talked about the incredible blueprint that God has of our lives before time began. And I love that he has a blueprint, but I need to know his heart. I love it that he never takes his eyes off of you, his clay. He cannot turn aside. David said in Psalms 139, if I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, you'll come knocking on hell's door. He says he sees you when you stand up, Donna, and he sees you when he sit down. The psalmist went on to say, Say, your thoughts are so precious the vast sum of them that you're thinking about us your children is beyond the grains of sand if I went out to the beach today which I love the beach not going today but I pick up the sand and I let it fall that's how numerous his thoughts are his hand is guided by his heart and his mind for you for that you should give him praise this morning come on give him a shout of praise I love it that he's not two-faced or fickle. I love it that he's a God of mercy, a God of kindness, a God of purpose. I love when he hid Moses in the cleft of the rock and said, you can't look at me, but I'll pass by. You'll see the backside of me. That's another message. But when it came time to introduce God, there was no one worthy of introducing God. So God said, I'll introduce myself. And this is the one he said, the Lord, the Lord who is merciful and gracious abounding in mercy showing love to thousands and thousands of generations that's the potter that's the heart of the God who's working everything in your life for his good someone give him praise this morning 
sometimes we think I want to take it out of your hand I want to take my life out of your hand. My sweet daddy, Cecil Ray Giles, youngest of six children, were actually healed of a heart defect when he was a child. He went to Lee. I don't even know what it's called. It wasn't Lee. It was called something else. And he got there. When he got off the bus, there's a picture of him. He had two shirts and two pairs of pants. He's so poor. He went to a semester and two semesters, and he went home, and he told his daddy, Papa Giles, A.B., he said, Daddy, I'm discouraged. I was going to be a minister, but it's hard. I'm from Mississippi. And daddy, and that's the way they talk, Mississippi. And daddy, it's just hard, and I want to come home. I don't want to do that. And my papa said, Pete, they called him Pete. I never could figure that out. Pete, you need to go talk to your mama. He said, What do you mean, daddy? He said, Go talk to your mama and ask to see her hands. Daddy said, What are you talking about? Because my mama was a gentle soul like my daddy, gentle and so sweet. She went, he went back in there, and he went to where my mama was. And he said, Mama, let me see your hand. She said, No, Pete, no. She was cooking at the kitchen. No, Pete, no, honey. No, 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 honey, no. And he said, Mama, please. And he was her baby. Please, Mama. And he reached over and grabbed her hands and uncurled them. And inside of her hands were deep etches of scars and blood that was still fresh. And he said, Mama, what have you done? And his daddy came in and said, Pete, your mama has been working the chicken farm. She's been plucking chicken. She's been picking cotton. She's been breaking her back to keep you in school. You got to go back to school. You got to honor your mama's sacrifice. You've got to do this because it's your destiny my daddy went back he graduated from there he graduated with a master's he has an earned doctorate all because of somebody's hands come on somebody you are in the hands of king jesus who has scars in his hand you are in the hand of not an angry person but a person who gave it all for you the next time i want to give up and i do it often i'll say king jesus i'm remembering your hands king jesus i'm remembering your sacrifice king jesus i'm remembering everything you ever did for me i'm going to tell you anything we experience in this life pales in comparison to what he did at Calvary. Somebody give him a shout of praise. But we fight with him. God says, you're going to be a bowl, Rhonda. Well, if I'm going to be a bowl, I'm going to be a big bowl. Make me a big bowl, Jesus. And God says, no, I'm going to make you a little bowl. Because what I want to put you in you is so precious, it'd get lost in a big bowl. So let me do with your life. Sometimes we want to take that clay out of his hand and say, do this or do that, God. When we do that, we're like a potter sitting here with a blindfold on, with two uh, long socks. We can't, we're trying to form our own lives. Jesus is the only one that should sit behind the wheel and form us into what he's called us to be. Can you say amen? Because only the potter knows what he intended. The wheel that's spinning, it represents the hard places in our life, the necessary places, but they will pass. Say this too shall pass the trials the circumstances the things that come to us from fallen world that get little rocks stuck in our clay but his hands continue to form the pressure he gives he continues to do something beautiful and powerful look at your neighbor and say you're not just a lump of clay but you see often the enemy will say to you or your doubt or your fear will say to you you know what i know that clay I know his weaknesses. I know her sharp tongue. I know his inconsistencies. 
I know her relapses. I know his clay comes from a long DNA of people who failed and never succeeded. But do you know what King Jesus says? I know that clay too. And the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who makes heaven and earth rebuke you. Is this not those that have been snatched out of the fire as it says in the book of Zechariah? Let me tell you something. Jesus will often agree with your enemy because he knows where he's taken you, not from where you came. Can you say amen? Give him a shout of praise this morning. The enemy fights the clay because he knows the hand that's on the clay. This is no ordinary hand. It's the hand that separated the day from the night. It's the hand that flung by his fingertips the stars into the velvet sky. It's the hand that carved the skins for Adam and Eve, the plans that are never, and the hands that are never left without remedy. Maybe this morning you feel like, I feel like my clay is hardened. I feel like it used to be really soft pliable in his hands but some things have happened to me and I feel like that my heart has gotten hardened I'm going to tell you something this is not his first rodeo with people's hearts who have been hardened can I get an amen with the washing of the word of God and the washing of worship he begins to soften everything you might have that hard case but you're not the worst case look at your neighbor and say you're not the worst case he will do it just think about this he does not walk away from the clay but he says to you what Paul said I will glory in my weakness because when I am weak I am strong I will not despise the process Someone say, I will not despise the process. Listen, if it had not been for that loss, you would have never known how strong you could be by yourself. When others forsook you, you found the strength in God. If it had not been for that season of sickness, you would have not known what God could bring you through in the midnight hour. You cried, but you ended with joy. Your heart hurt, but you shouted hallelujah. In fact, let out a big hallelujah this morning. I love it that he can take whatever is going on in us through the centuries and the corridors of time. His heart, the potter, has been synthesized to work with people. He knows how to mold you. He took a shepherd and he made him a king and he called him David. Don't despise the hidden places. He took an orphan and he made her a queen. He formed her into a queen. Don't despise your past. Esther was chosen not in spite of her past but because of her past come on somebody he took a warrior who was intimidated and he called him Gideon and he began to shout for the Lord and for Gideon don't despise your weakness in your weakness God is made strong can I get an amen and a shout he took a busy woman. Got any busy women in the house? And he made her a judge. And she was called the great Deborah. And she went to the mountain with Barak. And she took down the armies of Israel. Don't despise the pressure that comes on you. Through pressure, God will show you you are more capable of anything you've ever tried before. He took a deliverer. He made a deliverer out of a stutterer. And he raised him up from the the wilderness don't despise the wilderness Moses came out at 80 burning strong for the Lord and shouting let my people go come on somebody and give him a shout of praise don't despise it and as brother Perry taught us a few weeks ago 
He took a man and a woman, a really old one. The Bible says you're old, you're like ancient. Took two really old people and made them the patriarch and matriarch of our faith. Don't despise having to wait on God. You see, don't despise what God is doing. You're on that wheel and your circumstances are making you go round and around and around. And you think, God, I can't take it anymore. I often like to think about that wheel, like the wheel in the middle of the wheel that Ezekiel saw in his vision. The Holy Spirit is the one that's keeping things together in your life. The Holy Spirit is holding back pressure you cannot handle. If you have pressure in your life right now, it's because Holy Spirit knows that you are more than capable, that you are more than able, that his power in you is mighty, and he knows what he's making out of you. So don't Run from the pressure knowing that someone is controlling the wheel. You have not been given more than you can handle because with God, you are more than able. Hallelujah. Sometime, like I said, we want to take it out of his hand. I'm going to go to three vessels in just a moment. This picture right here, my mom studied under the great Billy Nipper. There used to be a show called Nilly Bibber. They reversed. She was an incredible uh, nationwide known artist. And my mom was doing this, and uh, Billy Nipper said, just paint each grape one at a time. But my mom, being fast like me and quite creative, she could play any instrument and sing glorious. She just started, she did one grape, Pammy, she did two. Then she thought, I know a better way. I'll just go this way. And all of a sudden, when she took the brush and did it away that the master artist told her not to, those grapes were a big blob. Anybody else ever done that? You ever taken the thing out of God's hand? And say, I'll put my own spin on this. You're not getting this in time. She was so embarrassed, she finally yelled out for help because it was a big class. She was embarrassed. And Billy Nipper just came over. You have to know her. She just took the brush out of my mom's hand, and she said, this way. And when she did it, it came to be a beautiful picture. Give my mama a hand. So precious. Sometimes we're like that. We want to take that hand away and do what we think i want to talk to you about a vets three vessels and and they're abbreviated somewhat till we get to the end this is a vessel of mercy romans 9 and 23 god is putting a vessel of mercy all around you and he wants you to be that that he might make known the riches of his glory someone say his glory on the vessels of mercy say i am a vessel of mercy which he prepared beforehand for glory You've been prepared beforehand for glory. The vessel of mercy was set out in the marketplace. It was put out there. You might be asking the Lord today, why am I pushing a forklift? Why am I in the office? Why am I stay-home mom? Why am I retired? Can any of this matter to God? The Lord has put his living water in a vessel of mercy. And when he does, he puts it in the center of the marketplace. Because I don't know if you know this, this world is thirsty for something real. This world is thirsty for someone to say, I've got good news for you today. Jesus is alive and he is well. You see, big is not always accessible, but the people around you are thirsty God has called you and I to turn those garbage places anybody working in a place where there's a lot of garbage come on there is okay you're all scared you're scared they're not watching you they're not you're good look at your neighbor and say you're good God uses that vessel of mercy that would be accessible that company that he's put you in that marketplace he has you in you live in such a way that people say there's got to be a God 
or I wouldn't believe because I see God in them. You are a cool drink of water offered to a thirsty world. That vessel that God has shaped in your life, it is the highest compliment when he puts you out in the workforce. And yes, it's to pay bills. And yes, it's to bless you. But it's that you would be a vessel of mercy. Can you say amen? In 1985, I was, um, Pastor Hank and I had been remarried and evangelizing for a year. He got very, very sick. We came to find out it was his gallbladder. But we were in a rough place. We didn't own a house. We traveled. We only had Christmas and Thanksgiving off. We traveled from the east to west coast, back and forth, back and forth. So we had a car. We didn't have a tent. We didn't have a trailer. We just had that car, and we'd stay at my mama's when we were in Cleveland in between, which was rare, holidays. And he was so sick, and uh, the doctors here could not crack it. It was a long time ago. Technology was not what we want it to be today or what it is today. And all of a sudden, Sam Evans, a man that's going to be with the Lord, he was a businessman, went to North Cleveland. I had waited on him at Holiday Inn, and he just had a heart for me. He said, Hank and Rhonda, I think y'all need to go to City of Faith in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I think you need to go there. Hank was so sick. Sam Evans flew us out there. We got off, just the two of us. I was pushing him in a wheelchair. We got out. They had these two big, beautiful hands. You can look it up online at, at a City of Faith. And we both just started crying. We were so destitute. We were beyond ourselves. We'd been without any pay for weeks and weeks because we were evangelists. We went in there, and I had two appointments with two different doctors. We went to the first doctor, and he said to us, Well, I really don't know what's going on around here, but there's a faith healer down the street. Just go down there and get him to pray for you. And I remember just looking at him, and Pastor Hank was so sick, he really wasn't comprehending everything. And I was just crying. I said, well, sir, we can't, we can't. He said, they have service on. I said, we can't stay, sir. Said, well, that's all I have to say for you. Just have faith and go get healed. Well, I was pushing Pastor Hank out. I was crying so hard I could barely breathe. All of a sudden, the phone in the receptionist area, they said, there's a phone call for you, Rhonda Davis. I picked it up, and it was nurse to Dr. J. Michael McGee. She said, your appointment's on Tuesday. I know this is like, this is like Thursday or Friday, so you can see Dr. McGee. That was the other doctor. And I said, I'm sorry. And I was crying. I couldn't stop crying. She goes, are you okay? And I said, not really, but it's okay. I said, um, we're going to have to go home. We don't, we don't have a place to stay. And my husband is very sick. And this other doctor just told us to see a faith healer. And that's okay, ma'am, but we're going to have to go. And she said, give me a minute. She hung up. She called back through. And she said, I just talked to Dr. J. Michael McGee. And he said, for you to come up to our floor immediately, we will not have anyone sending you because we cannot help you. Don't you love vessels of mercy? Don't you love vessels of mercy? When we got up there, Dr. Michael McGee, it's a long story. I'll never forget him. I've never seen him since. Sorry. But he got up on the patient's bed in that exam room. He actually crawled on top of Pastor Hank and held his face in his hands. He said, I'm going to tell you something, buddy. I don't know what's going on here, but I'm going to dig to the bottom of this, and we're going to help you, and we're going to find a way out of this, and you two are not leaving this hospital without help. That's a vessel of mercy right there. Someone that will say, I'll bring that cold water. And I'll tell you today, I'll tell you today that I believe with all my heart, he was such an act of mercy, but the older I get, I think about the nurse. I think about the one that petitioned him. God has called you and I to be vessels of mercy give him a hand clap of praise next time you're with someone and you don't know how to get help think about that i think about the tree in my backyard and i must move on to the other two vessels but i call it now the whosoever tree 
and uh, the one that Pastor Hank took out of a dumpster, and they said, you can't do anything with that tree, preacher, but that's the way it looked this morning. Still living after all this time because he gave it water. That was an act of mercy. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a vessel of mercy. Josh, if you'll come help me and prepare the atmosphere. I'm not quite done. I want to talk about the vessel of honor quickly. A vessel of honor is something that in 2 Timothy 2, it says those that separate themselves for useful and honorable services. I'm going to tell you something. This vessel was so frequently used. It was kept private. It was kept in the house meaning that you're called to be a vessel of honor for those people that you live among, that you're called to be the container that God can use, those acts of service, that note you wrote for someone when they were about to give up. Recently, I read a story of a young man that was going to commit suicide, and someone merely smiled at him, and he changed his mind. You see that call you made, that thing you fixed, it's hidden to others, but it's known to God. You may feel like you're hidden as you're taking care of that child. You may feel like you're hidden as you're serving in the deep places, but I want to tell you something. The Bible says Christ is coming and his reward is with him. He knows the vessels of honor. He knows those that are hidden. When I was a young mother and pastor's wife, someone said to me that loved me, you're so hidden. You're so hidden. It's not fair. So and so that started with you, she's doing this and that. And, and they kept talking about it. And I thought, I don't feel hidden and I went home and the more what they said we better be careful what we tell people our success the more I thought about it the more I got down on myself yeah you're just hidden Rhonda and all of a sudden the Lord said no you're not when that six-year-old that her bedroom's across from your bedroom which would have been Courtney when she yells out, Mommy, I need you in the middle of the night, whose feet runs to her? You're not hidden. You're not hidden. What about the women you've met in private that walked through abortions or miscarriages? What about those you've met with that came out of ritual abuse? What about those people? Someday you, vessel of honor, will stand before the Lord and he will say, Ron, I want you to see that Cindy is here because of you. Well, how did I affect Cindy? You did those things unto her like unto me. Pastor Todd, John is here because of you. Well, when did I affect John? It was the simple thing that you did, Pastor Todd. Someone will say, here's Rachel is here. Brian is here. When did I make a difference? It was when you smiled. It was when you answered that call. When you said, I'll be a vessel of honor. I don't care if I get the glory. I don't care if it's on social media. All I know is I want to be a vessel of honor that says in the deep and secret things, I will lift up and I will minister to others. If that's your prayer, give him a shout of praise. The prayer warriors, such a blessing. The last vessel, we end with a broken one was something so special the hidden vessels i want to say before i finish god promoted out of so many of the hidden places so many of the hidden places when i thought about a vessel of honor she's not here this morning but i want to bring up this picture chris and susan and i were at a wedding chuck and christy's daughter gracie it's hard to see this but we, we we were getting ready to leave dancing was going on downstairs we were just tired we ate so much we had to go home and relax ourselves and uh but we looked out of the upstairs window at how farms down and that's christy and her daughter dancing do i hope you can dance i hope you dance and that daughter when she turns she's stunningly beautiful i don't know which one of those good looks she got from those chuck and christy but she's beautiful 
and uh, tears, she was just wiping the tears away. And I realized in that moment, that's because her mama had made a difference in her life. That's because her mama had been there every day of her life and was dancing with her. I hope you dance. I'm going to tell you something. You are a vessel of honor. God knows what you are doing. Don't let this society push you into a mold. Don't let this society tell you bigger is better. You've got to do everything big. Be Jesus with skin on wherever you are, and he will receive the glory. Somebody give him praise. The chosen vessel. Its strength and beauty was only known to the master potter. The heat had been turned up. Oh, there's so many chosen vessels in this room. It had been put in the fire, and you would think that the master potter would take out the chosen vessel and put it in a lighted curio cabinet where I have some of my mother's treasures in my home. But no, he would put it back in a shelf in a secret room. The eager buyer never saw it, but you can go into Jerusalem today to a real potter's house, and you can say... Can I see your chosen vessel? And the potter will just smile. Yes, you can. And he will go back into a place that only he knows and pick up a chosen vessel. A vessel that he's formed. This actually is from Jerusalem. It's my mother's. She got it in Jerusalem that he's formed out of his own hands. You see, the potter knows God promotes out of the hidden places. I want you to say God promotes out of the hidden places. If you ever think he's forgotten you, if you ever see him, go for another vessel instead of grabbing you and you're still waiting for your miracle. You're still waiting for something and you think, I've got hidden dreams. We all do in this room that have not been fulfilled. And sometimes when he goes and comes and you're sitting on that shelf in the closet and you think, he's coming for me, he's coming. No, he came for her. He came for him. It's easy in that moment to think that God has forgotten you, but he cannot forget those that he loves and calls by his name. God will reach in to pull you out. God knows how to breathe the Ruha Kadesh breath of God on us. God knows how to resurrect dead dreams. Can I get an amen? God says in 1 Corinthians 2 and 9, I has not seen nor ear is heard. No has it entered into man's heart. That which the Lord has prepared for them. You are never really hidden if you're in the potter's house. You're merely put in a safe place. Michael, come help me because I know you won't be offended by this since you're my son give Michael a hand but the Bible says this is about the chosen vessel just stand right by me this is about the chosen vessel the Bible says in Song of Solomon 6 and 8 who is this hallelujah coming out of the wilderness leaning on the arm of her beloved shining like the sun as terrible as an army with banners what in the world is he talking about when you come through a hard place chosen vessels when you come through a place that breaks your heart when you come through a place that you feel your dreams are dead you will come out of the wilderness but you'll find that you're leaning on the arm of your beloved no longer are you leaning on your own strength no longer are you leaning on your own power but you're leaning on the arm of of your beloved who is King Jesus and that is glorious hallelujah give him a shout of praise and finally the broken vessel it said in Jeremiah 18 what we read and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hands of the potter so he made it again 
I think someone, some people in this room this morning, you need to hear this. You say, well, the Lord healed me of something in my heart recently, a betrayal, rejection, or something, but here I am again. I want to tell you that God specializes in again and again and again and again and again and again. Our life experiences can break us. Psalms 44 and 21 says, Shall not God search this out? For he knows the secret places of the heart. He knows the areas that need to be healed. Our Maggie Woods, a daughter of this house, preacher, running a ministry for me, but it, we found out she was in active addiction. Horrible. You've heard her story. She's been clean for 10 years now, but she was writing prescriptions. She had six felonies, six states. But in the middle of that active addiction, I said, Maggie, your house is on fire. Jump out of the house into the arms of God. And she said, Pastor, I was in his arms when I was marred. I was in his hands when I got into addiction. I said, you are still in his hands. He is still holding you tight. He still takes broken things and makes them beautiful. Can you give King Jesus a shout of praise? I love what Hosea says. In the very place, is what I told Maggie, that they said, Hosea 1, you are not a child of God. Meaning what you were going through, people said, if you really belong to the Lord, why are you dealing with that? If you really belong to the Lord, why are you going through that attack? Why are you going through that sickness? But he said, in the very place other people said to you, why it will be said unto you, you are daughters and sons of the most high God. I love a God who can restore you in the same place where you were broken. Can you give him a praise this morning? What happens is the earthly potter takes this broken pottery. I'm almost done. Thanks for hanging with me. I knew this would be a journey. And he goes out, and you've probably heard this story. He gets a tick called a fasuka, and he crushes it in, from the field. And he mixes the blood of that with powder, and then he takes the vessel, and he puts it back together, and he glues it. He fills in the cracked places. Jeremiah 10, Israel says to God, Woe to me! My injury is incurable, and I must endure it. And it just kind of hangs out there until Jeremiah 30 when the Lord comes back and says, your wound is incurable. Your injury is beyond healing. Thanks, God. He said, there's no remedy for you. And your allies have all forsaken you, meaning those things that you leaned on, they're not working for you anymore. But I, the Lord, will refuse to allow you to resign yourself to endure it. For I, the Lord, will heal your wounds. Someone give King Jesus a praise. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. We don't need a fasuka this morning. We don't need a tick to crush. We have the precious blood of Jesus Christ and he heals and fills every crack. You're not trusting yourself into the hands of a preacher, a doctor, a psychologist. You are trusting yourself into the hands of the creator of the ends of the earth whose name is Jesus. Someone praise him this morning. Come on, somebody praise him. So give him all in anything that's broken this morning. I want to tell you a story and then I want to pray over you. Maybe you're that, before I tell the story, maybe you're that chosen vessel and you're thinking, God, 
do you know where my dreams are that need to be resurrected? Maybe you're that chosen vessel that says, God, you keep promoting others at the job. Lord, I've been so faithful. Maybe you're that vessel of honor and you're pouring into people around you in your home, those you know. You're that one person that makes a difference. God sees you. Maybe you're that vessel we all should be in the marketplace. Don't despise the ways of the potter. He is good and he is wise and he is altogether lovely. Or maybe there's something broken in you. Maybe you feel like, Pastor Rhonda, I feel like my heart is hardened. And I need him to soften it. At one time I felt so soft. But things have happened and it's hardened me. He says, come and worship me. Come and read my word. Let me move among you and let the water of the word and the water of that sweet worship soften you for he is able. Just lift a hand and say, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Just tell him right now. Just take a moment before I finish. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for your blood. We thank you for your power. We thank you that you are making vessels of glory out of us. The things that we don't understand, the things we can't comprehend. We don't know how to make the pieces fit. But in your house, God, we hear the sound of you walking. In your house, we see the mercy of your son. In your house, we hear the ways of Holy Spirit. And we know you are not done with us yet. We are unfinished, but we are not done. And you're still working on us. You're still processing us you're still bringing a miracle out of us and we want to trust our life into the potter's hands can you say amen and give him a praise give him a praise in this room so I want to say for a pray final for you there was an estate sale man had come to the end of his life and uh, he needed all that to go he hit some hard times in his elderly years the auctioneer off auctioned off everything but there was one thing left it was an old, tattered, worn-out violin. He held it up. He said, any bids? Someone said, one dollar, because the violin looked so bad. Someone else said, well, if it's going to go for one dollar, five dollars. Anybody else? And a man said, ten dollars. And they're thinking, wow, this violin's going to go for ten dollars. All of a sudden, a little old man in the front that no one knew came and picked the violin up and he began to play it and as he began to play it the room there wasn't a dry eye it was hauntingly beautiful with skill and glory and what they didn't know this was a master violinist who had hit some hard times and as he played the sound filled the room and when he was done someone said I'll give a thousand dollars for that violin someone said I'll give fifteen hundred for that violin another said I'll give five thousand for that violin and the auctioneer put the gavel down and said sold to the highest bidder it left everyone speechless everyone was amazed what in the world had happened this violin was going for a dollar then five dollars then ten dollars and now it went up to five thousand dollars and someone said they let the master put his hands on the violin 
They let the master with his skill and talent and worth make something beautiful out of it. I'm going to tell you this morning, oh, vessels of the Lord, my brothers and sisters, when the master puts his hand on you, you will realize your worth and your intrinsic value. When the master puts his hand on your life, you don't want to settle for anything but the best that the master has to give. When the master puts his hand on you, your value is made secure. Our prayer at the end of this message, which is now, King Jesus, don't take your hand off of me. King Jesus, master of the universe, keep it on this vessel. Speak through me. Love through me. Give through me that all the glory can go to God. Give him one more praise, and I'm going to pray over you. As every eye is closed in this room, if you're here this morning, and you don't know Jesus or you have wandered off from him. I want to give you an opportunity. If that's you, there's never been a better time than right now. On this Sunday in May. If that's you, just lift your hand right where you are. God bless you and God bless you. God bless you. We're going to pray with you in a moment. If you're here this morning and you say, you know, Pastor Rhonda... I really need God's encouragement. There's things going on in my life, and they're not being fashioned the way I thought they should. And I need you, Lord, to move in my life. I need you to move on my behalf. If that's you, would you lift a hand this morning? Yes, God bless you. 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 So many. I get it. Right where you're seated, we just lift a hand to the Lord or put it on your heart. Father, in the name of Jesus. I pray, first of all, for those in this room, Lord, that just seems like the pieces are not fitting. They love you, Lord. They trust you. Maybe there's some hardening of their heart, Lord, meaning that just things in life have happened. They want to be soft and pliable. They want to remember that moment of mercy like Jeremiah did. Lord, would you give them the peace and the assurance today that even if they don't see it tomorrow, you are putting the pieces together. Lord, even if they don't see it today that you are working all things together for their good, even if they don't see it today, Lord, that you've got it in your control, that your hands are guiding. Lord, we submit our life into the potter's hands. We ask you to mold us and make us. Forgive us when we take the brush out of your hand. Forgive us when we work against what you're trying to do. Forgive us when we're upset, Lord, but heal us of that, Lord, and let us know that you make broken things become beautiful. Something good, something beautiful will come out of everything we've ever gone through because you are the master potter. Lord, encourage my brothers, sisters in Jesus' name. Now, if everyone would repeat after me, dear Jesus, dear Jesus, I come to you today. I accept you. I confess you as Lord and Savior. Today is the first day of the rest of my life let me live for you in jesus name can you give the lord a hand clap of praise for those who have come back to him how awesome and wonderful come on give him a really big shout of praise let him hear it come on somebody praise the name of king jesus somebody praise him thank you so much you be encouraged, sisters and brothers. You be encouraged. The Lord is making something beautiful. He knows you. He sees you. 